Here we are, face to face, a couple of podcast pals, hoping to find you're taking the time to listen to me, talk about me, <laughs> together, we're, <laughs> we're gonna, I oh, forget it, that's my version of the Silver Spoons theme song to kick off this Episode 80-something. 81? I've lost track. It's been so long since I've even done this podcast. Uh, Boy, you'd think I would have prepared a little bit. Let's see, what was the last episode? Eighty. Oh, we already had 81, so this would be 82. This is episode 82. <laughs> of the podcast, it's episode 82. Of the Birthday Boy Podcast, I'm ripping off the song from Silver Spoons to learn all about those things that I have done. To No, wait. To learn all about those things I just don't like. Together, the podcast. Wait, I'm, I'm, I'm singing the original Silver Spoons song now. Oh, forget it. Welcome to episode 82. On the phone, yes, yes. Uh, it's been a few weeks because I've been swamped. Last Sunday, I spent more time than I care to even think about doing meeting minutes. I had eight pages of meeting notes from the PTO meeting, which, as somebody, as somebody put it, rather aptly stated, so you voluntarily signed up to take meeting minutes for no pay, basically. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I did. You didn't need to put it that way. I already knew that. Some might say giving back to the community, giving back to the school. But yes, if you really want to break it down, it's just me getting paid $0.00, and zero cents to take meeting minutes uh, once a month. Well observed, well stated, thank you. Anyway, uh... It's Sunday. Today is Sunday. As, a, as of the time of this recording, it's June something. 13th? Yeah. It's June 13th. And I've, I've not done anything because I, I just I can't think of any topics. I've been so busy. Uh, some breaking news into the old birthday boy newsroom. Uh, I, am, I have three days left until my current job comes to an end, which... Uh, yeah, this is just this is just that year. 2019, 2020, I spent both years not even updating my resume, let alone looking for jobs because I was so satisfied. And 2021 has been uh really since November of last year when I could sense that my my contract might be coming to an end and uh started f- looking out there to see what kind of jobs were available. As we all know, I landed somewhere that ended up being uh Eh, not my favorite place, and I left that in March, and then I had accepted a new offer, and then backed out of that because, as you know, uh, as we were, as I found out live during my much-needed week off on a Tuesday, I was recording a podcast back at um, the end of March, and found out that instead of starting the new job on Monday, they wanted me to start tomorrow, the next day, and I said, okay. Whoa, time out. We're done. I'm not starting at all. You lost me. Bye. Thanks. See ya. Fuck you. 
And then, uh, and then I took another job, which I, it's a place that I had been before and had many unpleasant memories. And, uh, and, and now I was able to spend the last two months making more unpleasant memories, but actually making some very nice memories and making some really good friends in the process. So it was actually a tough, tough call, but you know, when you have a, when you're having a dream that you're putting together a spreadsheet and putting together uh, reports on a call with senior leadership and executive management, and they're watching you while you're sharing your screen on Microsoft Teams, and then you wake up from that dream, and then you're panicked because you can't, you've forgotten, you can't tell the difference between dream and reality, and so you start trying to fall back to sleep because you feel like you're going to get in trouble because you, by waking up, you stopped working on the spreadsheet and you disconnected from the call and they're all sitting on the call saying, where's Hopkins, where's Hopkins? And so I'm trying to get back to sleep so I can get back to the dream and finish the spreadsheet that they're depending on. And then I actually do fall asleep and then I actually do go back into the dream and continue working on the strip spreadsheet, which I think I wrote it down. I can't remember now, but it was specific. It wasn't even just one of those dream things where there's like nothing on the screen. It was an actual, there were actual work-related items that I was putting together in a spreadsheet, in a dream about a month ago, and then woke up and then was panicked because I said, oh my God, I have to get back to sleep so I can finish the spreadsheet or I'm going to get fired. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, there's, a, there's been a lot of that. And so I accepted a new role and then uh, I turned it down. Because another role came in that paid more and allowed me the, the the role that I accepted actually was pretty cool, and the problem with it was that they wanted me to be on site two days a week, and I initially said, "Yeah, that could be actually okay," except that it's <laughs> except that it's in Midtown Manhattan, which is also cool because I I love working in Boston. I just hate getting to Boston. And I know that I would love working in Midtown. I just don't want to get there. Because as hellacious as the commute is to Boston, well, geographically speaking, you're adding double the hours to get to to New York. And I'm sure that would have been fun for the first few weeks, maybe the first month or two, maybe. Um, But it's also like, you know kind of been there done that the nice office building the nice view of the city and all that stuff like it's it doesn't really do it for me what does it for me is flexibility not being having the ability to never leave the house and get paid more money and so that's what i was able to find so i had accepted a job and then weaseled out of it and then took the other one which is going to allow me for the next 24 months to stay home be around and make more money and be taxed be taxed at the at the state rate of zero dollars, which is also quite nice. So it's like a double raise. Anyway, so that's going to start in a couple weeks. And so my life, basically the entire year, basically since November, my <laughs> the last what's that seven months <clears throat> since about Thanksgiving ish, when I began the job search, even though I didn't want to, uh, but I knew I had to. And then restarted the job search sometime in February. Uh, ended the job search very briefly in April. <laughs> and then uh, restarted the job search again somewhere 
I don't know, at the beginning of May. And so here we are. And hopefully this will this will be it for a long time because I that's a as they say searching for a job is in itself a full-time job and that's that's completely factual. The effort there's time, the effort that's involved is is sometimes it borders on just insanity because certain people want certain things. Sometimes it's a straight up, hey, we like your resume, we want to have a a little phone screen, then have a little interview. Great. Maybe it's two interviews. Fine. Some people say, hey, we're going to have a panel interview with like seven people on the phone and you got to learn about it, who does what and all this and answer all these different questions from different perspectives. And it's really fun. And then sometimes people say, hey, we need you to take a, we need you to take this 55 question Microsoft Excel test or send me a sample of your Excel work or some of the work that you've done. And I say, I can't send you anything. Why would, why would I have any of my work on my own personal computer? It's proprietary. Once I make a something, a report, a spreadsheet, a word document, a whatever, anything that doesn't belong to me. I create it on a work computer. It belongs to the company. It's proprietary. It's theirs. It's not mine. I can't just send you something because I don't have any of the things that I've ever, it's not like I'm an, it's not like an artist where you have your paintings and your drawings and you can send a portfolio of work or a musician or a filmmaker (laughs) or an architect. It's like I make dopey spreadsheets. I mean, and that's just a fraction of a fraction of what I do. But if you're looking for a sample of my work, well, here's here's the banks I've worked for. Go call them and ask if they have any of my stuff because that's, oh, well, you need to send something. So I create... I have had times where I've been up until 11 o'clock recreating spreadsheets that I've made with advanced formulas to send to somebody as an example of what I've done. Uh, like an enti- basically an, uh, from dinner until midnight, an entire day's work for some shithead. Oh, and then never called back. So that was really fun. Um, so I, I did that once, and then I said, anytime since then, anybody who asks me for a sample of my work, I say, no, sorry, this isn't going to work out for me. Go get somebody else. Good luck. Thank you. Bye. I did that once, and that was enough. It was a complete waste of time. So there's just, there's all this bullshit. There's all this weird stuff that people must have before, uh, before they give you the privilege of interviewing with them. And then other people are like, hey, let's have an interview like human beings and we'll have a conversation. Not I'm asking you questions like, uh, you know, if you could be a color, what color would you be? If you could be an animal, what, which by the way, nobody's ever asked me that ever on any interview. I hear about that stuff. If you could be an animal, what animal would you be? If you could be a color, <laughs> what color would you be? If you could be a tree, what, I, I don't know. Nobody's ever asked me that any in the history of any interviews I've ever been on, so that's at least good. Uh, but the interviews that are best are the ones where, yeah, it's a conversation. Hey, I like your resume. Let's have an interview. Tell me about what you've done. I'll tell you a little bit about what we do here, and then we'll just, you know, we'll let the conversation flow from there. And that's how I know, okay, I've got, we've got adults in the room. This is looking good. This seems reasonable. Let's move forward. Anyway, so that's what's happening, and so that's why I've just been, I've just been swamped beyond uh, beyond anything I could even truly <laughs> possibly put into words. Uh, so, and today I'm, uh, you know, 
I was, today was no different. I was very reluctant because I actually thought, even though my last day is Wednesday, there's some shit that I wanted to do. And I thought, eh, maybe I'll put in some time on a Sunday and do work. And then I said, no, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, so here I am giving you podcast excellence as only the birthday boy can do. Um, so that's it. That's what's going on as of late. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's a little bittersweet, though, because there's some great people that I've been able to work with these last couple of months. That's going to be a tough one. But hey, that's that's how it goes. And so we move forward. We see what happens next. Blah, blah, blah. And then uh, hopefully the pattern <laughs> is over hopefully i've broken the curse and we won't be back here in another two or three months with me telling you about my next job i i'd like to keep at the minimum okay this is my my third job since january 1st that i'm about to start and the fifth that i've accepted and then later and then later retracted my own offer uh so let's let's be done with that because i liked last year Last year, I started January 1st with a brand new job and had that same job on December 31st, although December 31st was the last, or January 1st or whatever was the last day, but still, the whole year. I didn't, I didn't update, I, I don't think I updated my resume until October, October or November last year. Uh, it was such a great feeling to just not even care, to not take any calls from any recruiters, to not have my resume updated on all the sites, to just... To just be focused on like, all right, I got this job and I'm going to do it. And then at five o'clock, I'm going to go live my life and not even really think about it. It was a lovely feeling. I know there's people who feel that feeling (laughs) more than just once or twice here and there. And uh, I would like to make that a regular thing. So we'll see. (sighs) But as I mentioned, it's a Sunday morning. We're back. We're back out in the world to some degree. We went and saw our first movie in the theater since uh, since before the pandemic. That was two weeks ago. And we went and saw... So on a Friday night, we showed the kids the first Quiet Place movie. And we were going to go to the drive-ins and see it, but that was uh, it was Memorial Day weekend, which if anybody in the Northeast in New England knows that this year's Memorial Day weekend, uh, the temperatures barely got out of the 40s and it rained the entire time. I think 55 might have been the... the the hottest day of the three days so which was okay with me because then it's just an excuse to not have to go out and do anything and we said hey let's go let's go to chunkies let's go to chunkies let's have a movie uh drive-ins kind of out of the question because it's going to be cold and it's going to be rainy so we'll go to chunkies and we'll see quiet place two but first let's show the kids quiet place one so on a friday we watched quiet place one and they loved it and then on sunday we went to chunkies and if anybody is not familiar with Chunkies, it's a, you know, it's a dinner in a movie type place. And they have uh, very inexpensive movie tickets and uh, very lousy food. But it's nice to get, uh, you know, get some nachos and hot dogs and hamburgers and tacos, sandwiches, that kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, it was great. It was great. Uh, it was so great. And the other thing, too, is that, like... Uh, before the pandemic, I'm not sure that we would have taken the kids to the movies to see Quiet Place 1 or 2. And boy, it's like, 
what a what a what a what a change, what a difference between I don't know, the last movie we saw in the theater I think was the sequel to Jumanji, which was, you know, okay. It was fine. There are better movies, there are worse movies. Uh it had its moments, had its laughs, and um that was maybe February of 2020, I want to say. I don't know. It was just shortly before the pandemic really kind of kicked into full gear and everything closed down. And uh, it was kind of a crappy experience because we normally, we normally go to Chunkies or we go to the AMC. And this place we had, we, we had been gifted a, a nice, a really generous gift certificate to Regal Cinemas, which we don't really have nearby. There's one, I think we had to, we had to go 30, 40 minutes north, a little bit up into the mountains to get to a Regal location. And uh, whew, I remember going to those Regal Cinemas when we lived in New York, and they were lousy then, and I don't know what the ones in New York are like, but the one in, uh, I don't know, Hooksit, New Hampshire, is just terrible. It was just awful. Just an awful experience. Just a crummy, lousy, dingy, dirty, shitty movie theater. And it was what I remembered the Regal Cinemas being like uh, back in New York. And so that left a really shitty taste in our mouths. So it was nice to get back to good old Chunkies, which is not any, you know, Chunkies is no fancy great place, but we have Cinemagic and we have AMC and we have these other places that I really quite like. I mean, AMC is a really nice outfit. That's a great, you know, the big comfy leather chairs, the recliners, all that good stuff. It's a nice, it's a nice experience. And Regal is exactly the same as it was 20 years ago it's a piece of shit so it was good to uh good to good and then chunkies is like there's nothing fancy about it it's a it's a couple of big tables like you would find in a high school cafeteria and some some repurposed uh captain's chairs from i don't know from like high top conversion vans or or rvs or something and they're not particularly comfortable, but at least they have you can recline and they have wheels on them, so it's easy to it's easy to get comfortable. And then you get you know you get you get waited on, which is nice. You get food service. Uh, the big the big letdown though, the big disappointment. Pre pandemic, you go to Chunkies, they had the full menu, and on that menu, my two favorite items: the Mission Impossible nachos and the Reservoir Dogs, which is two hot dogs, grilled. Not w- almost to perfection. Toasted bun, French fries, great, love it. Get some relish. Get all my, get all my accoutrement, and enjoy my hot dogs and my nachos and a movie, and a ginger ale. And uh, we went and they gave us the menu on a little piece of paper, and there was no hot dogs and. A lot of the same stuff is still there. A lot of the kids' favorite uh, items, chicken nuggets and burgers and those things. Great, super. I ordered some kind of barbecue burger, and it stunk. And the nachos, the, the nachos used to be piled high and with cheese and guacamole and chili and sour cream and all that stuff. And they still bring you a bowl of chili. And there's, some, there's a little cup of sour cream. Or no, there was no sour cream. There was guacamole and no sour cream. That's unbelievable. That's an outrage. So it was kind of a bummer in the food department, and then there was no reservoir dogs, so I had to settle for a burger, and it was really, really not so great. Hot dogs are are pretty tough to screw up. 
And so I was always pretty pretty safe with the hot dogs, but now they're gone. Now my reservoir dogs are gone. So I don't know. I don't know about Chunkies going forward. We'll have to see. Hopefully they can return to the full menu and get those dogs back on there. But the movie itself was great. Quiet Place Part 2 was awesome. Love the first movie. Love the second movie. Lots of tension. Lots of tense, tense scenes. Action. Scary. It's great. It's great. Great. I love. I love the premise. Something that's different. You, you can't make noise, or you get uh, you get chopped to bits by aliens. Who? I, what I don't understand is like we see the alien. We see when these monsters, you know, like a wide shot, and the monsters are running across a field or a, or a street or something like that, and they're and they move pretty fast. What I don't understand is like, and, and then in the first movie, they they know that there's at least three of them in the area. So I guess I just don't quite get how the monsters are able to so quickly be near every sound that's made. If there's only three of them, wouldn't you think that you could just set up something that makes a lot of noise to just lure them there? And then those three monsters just kind of hang out by, you know, just get a big, just get a big subwoofer and, <laughs> and play, uh, you know, play hip hop 24-7 just out in a field somewhere. Or in the middle of downtown, I don't know, and then everybody else can go uh, go elsewhere and make noise and just just keep an eye on those monsters. But it's like in the in the movie, as soon as somebody makes a noise, within five seconds, the monsters there to chop them to bits. So there's only three of them, and it's a small town, but still, like even the fastest moving monster still has to run from A to B. I I, I don't know. I feel like in the second movie they address that a little bit better as far as. Yeah, when a noise was made, the monsters eventually arrived because they have great hearing, super sensitive hearing, but they weren't there within two seconds like they were in the first movie. So I, I, I appreciate that. But the effect is, is great. I mean, you know, we're suspending disbelief. These are monsters with supersonic hearing who show up and they just kill people for no particular reason. Where are they from? What's their background? Nobody knows and nobody cares. And that's what's great too. They don't... I hope we never find out anything about these things, just that there's humans trying to trying to run and hide from them and survive and kill them. Anyway, it's great. It's great. Great, uh, yeah, great acting, great tense scenes. Things are, you know, they get a little bit outside. The first movie is pretty pretty well contained, confined to one, one particular uh, set, set piece. And um, in this one, they go a little bit out outside of that, and a lot outside of that to, in some ways. Anyway, it's great, and it was so great to see a movie in the theater. That was the big thing, and to have it be a good movie, like that's the other thing. What a what a difference a year and a few months makes. Whereas the last movie we, the last couple of movies we saw in the theater was Star Wars, Jumanji two, Dora the Explorer. Uh, I don't know, Bumblebee. I, I'm not. I don't even remember. And they're all those are all good. They're all enjoyable movies. Um, you know, and then the Abominable Snowman, whatever that thing is, which was also very good. But it's you know, it's a lot of cartoons and stuff. Toy Story Four, a lot of good stuff, but a lot of cartoons. And uh, boy, here we are a year later, and the kids. You've got that Rava and the Dragon, and you've got the Cruella de Vil movie, and some other fucking cartoon. 
I don't know, the Crudes or something, Boss Baby, all these, all these things that I, I have no interest in seeing, and I'm sure some of them are good. But uh, oh, what a nice, what a nice feeling too to take the kids to the movies. It's always such a when you have little kids and you go see some like cartoon and you don't know maybe and if it's a Disney Pixar, yeah, it's probably going to be pretty good, whatever. But you don't know, and this we pretty much said this is this is going to be a good one. This is going to be good. Just knowing that you're not going to see a a kids cartoon is pretty nice. As much as I enjoyed Dora the Explorer because it was very, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod, self-aware, funny, poking fun at, at itself and the character and stuff like that, it's still, you know, it's a, it's a kid's movie. It's a fun kid's movie. It's a movie that I don't care if I never see it again. So it's nice. Here we are, pre-pandemic, a lot of family, family fun at the movies, and now post-pandemic, let's just go see... <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go see people running from these deadly aliens who are going to chop them all to bits. And it's terrifying and it's great great to take the kids to see those kind of movies. So we're, we're, just the fact that we didn't have to go see... And my my kids probably even at the younger age wouldn't have cared about seeing Cruella. We didn't really see any of the crappy stuff. We didn't see like Boss Baby or The Crudes or any of those trashy movies in uh, in the theater. They watched them at home and didn't really like them all that much. So, yeah, the Pixar stuff, the big stuff, that's, that's good fun to see in the movie theater. But uh, now, now we're on to, now we're, we're 9 and 11 now, so we're on to seeing, uh, to seeing the, uh, the Quiet Place movies. Oh, uh, what else? So it was, it's a good feeling to be back, to be back in the movie theater. And it was two weeks ago exactly, two weeks ago today. And, uh, you know, the kids had their masks on unless they were eating we took ours off they they require masks out in the lobby and then once you're seated you're you're free to take off your mask for the duration of the movie which we did because you pretty much get food right away anyways and drink and stuff like that so it's it's kind of pointless to have the masks on and we're vaccinated so whatever uh and here we are two weeks later everybody's good so i'm thumbs up dudes Go get vaccinated. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anybody that's listening to this hasn't. But if you if you can and haven't, go do it now. Shit's opening up. It's feeling good. I took the oldest a couple of weeks ago. We went to Abe and Louie's on a Saturday morning for hamburgers, cheeseburgers. I would have preferred a, a an Abe and Louie's steak, but hey, just the fact that we're sitting out on a pad out on the sidewalk. On Boylston Street, watching the world go by, eating a nice cheeseburger, having some fries, root beer. It's uh, it's feeling good, man. It's feeling good to to be back a little bit out out in the normal world again, but only to a certain degree. I don't, I don't, I don't want all of the things that came with the <laughs> the pre pandemic world. Uh, so yeah, it's nice. It's nice to be getting out there, getting out to some. We have not. Uh, we probably will be dining in a, our first, our last dining experience as a family in a restaurant inside was March 4th of 2020 when we, we had one of the last meals served at the top of the hub at the Prudential Center in Boston, which was a great, that's a good, that's a good meal to go out on, not knowing at the time that we wouldn't be eating in a restaurant for almost a year and a half. 
I guess technically our first indoor meal at a restaurant was also Chunky's. So we got to check both of those boxes, watching a movie in a theater and eating a meal at a table inside a restaurant. Both of those things happened at Chunky's at the same time. But uh, yeah, we had Cam and I had an outdoor dining experience that was quite quite nice at Abe and Louie's. It's hard to beat. And then, uh, oh, yeah, and then Cam and I had an indoor dining experience uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, same thing on, on Memorial Day weekend. We went to our favorite sushi place, Crane Restaurant. We have ordered from there takeout and delivery a million times in the last six years. And it wasn't until Christmas Eve last year that I even set fo- – I didn't even know where the place was located – and went there on Christmas Eve to pick up our our Chinese and sushi takeout for our Christmas Eve dinner. And uh, it was the first time that I had set foot in, in Crane Restaurant. I said, this place is adorable. It's so cozy. It's cute. It's dark. Things aren't dark anymore. You know, everything when I was a kid, like restaurants, stores, people's homes, they used to be dark. It was so cozy. You'd go into, like every house had a den that was just pitch black except for one little lamp in the corner that was barely barely putting out more uh more more light than a small candle and the TV the TV lights the room and then a, a couple small lamps on a on a bookshelf and it's you know wood paneling and dark carpets and those you know those wooden uh those wooden shades that you can put in front of a window all that all that great stuff from those older houses that's what it, that was. Everything was like when I was a kid, and I loved it. Sitting in the dark in somebody's dark family room or a den, playing video games with your friends, watching TV, watching movies—that's the best. Now everything's everything's so goddamn bright now. Everything's white. These big open spaces and these vaulted ceilings. Everything's white and light, and they have these neon lights everywhere. It's like, for me, being the vampire that I am, it's really unpleasant. So. It was nice to go to Crane Restaurant where it's a little bit between. It's not It's not like this dark, dank sort of dingy place, but it's not this big, bright lights everywhere. And, and every place has to blast. They have music and, you know, the bass is turned up and it's like, can't we just listen? They had, they had like, they had Chinese music playing mixed in with some, some more contempor- contemporary tunes. They have a nice little bar. With little Christmas lights on it, with a little TV, and they were playing The Office, and they have a nice little dining area that's small and it's intimate. It's great, and it's not too bright. It's not too dark, so that was a nice dining experience for for the oldest child and myself. Yeah, it's been good. It's been a good few weeks getting back out there, little little by little, and uh, yeah. So that's it. That's what's that's what's going on these last few weeks, and uh, what else? New Conjuring. Oh yeah, the new Conjuring movie stinks. That's on HBO. I love the first two. They're those are legitimately scary to me, and the new Conjuring movie, uh, the Devil, the Conjuring Three, the Devil Made Me Do It is. I don't know. We were sitting there. Look, Kim and I had some uh, some taffy, some chocolate squares, if you know what I mean, and. Uh, we just so maybe that didn't help. Maybe it did help. I don't know. But we sat there watching. We watched an hour of it last weekend, and then we just both. I said, "What's happening? This is not. There's nothing scary happening in this movie. There's some jump scares that are not even scary, and just a bunch of shit." And uh, let's let's watch something else. So I, th- 
I think I think we're I don't think we'll be coming back to the to the conjuring the devil made me do it. It's just not very good. Uh oh yeah, Cam. My oldest got uh got a got to take part in a box a 45 minute uh, aerobic boxing class last week which uh we've decided we are going to sign up for boxing classes. We meaning they are, not not me. Uh my oldest will be. And uh, but we'll be doing that sometime towards the end of the summer, closer to when school starts, so that we can all just relax, enjoy our summer vacation, not have to feel like we have to commit to X number of boxing classes every week that costs money that we're not utilizing. And so we'll wait until the fall. Because there's nothing more relaxing than getting back to school and getting into middle school for the first time and starting back up with other potential clubs and sports and things and also having some boxing on top of that instead of instead of easing into it over the summer. So that should work out just fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was a great – I'll tell you, I sh- it's something that I should do. It's something that I won't do. It's something I need to do. Not should. I really, I really need to be doing something like that where it's just 45 minutes of nonstop – uh, I was, I was sitting there having a child who's eleven. You you're not allowed to leave the boxing club. Thirteen and up, parents can drop off and leave. Under thirteen, parent has to stay, which is fine with me because I'm not I'm not just dropping my kid off at a boxing club with people I've never met and going someplace else. Unfortunately, I have a child who, of course, had no interest in their dad watching them in any way, shape, or form during the boxing class. So I tried my best to sit over in the corner and just stare at the floor or stare at my sneakers or stare at my phone. But uh, <laughs> I had to look up from time to time because I have to look somewhere. And I wanted to see what, what are they doing. I can't. I'm just going to go in there and blindfold myself or turn around and just face the window until for 45 minutes until it's over. So, of course, I'm going to watch the class. And I'll tell you. All these people, different ages, genders, shapes, sizes, tall, short, fat, skinny, muscular, adult, child, male, female, non-binary, everyone, all different walks of life. And they all started the beginning of the class. They come in looking like regular people off the street the end of the class everybody it looked like they had a, 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 a tidal wave crashed over them just just drenched with sweat i was sweating just watching this thing with the with the burpees and the squat thrusts and the jumping jacks and the push-ups and then getting up and hitting the bag hitting the bag and and then more jumping jacks and then hitting the bag and then doing some squat thrusts and then doing those ab stretch bullshit things leg lifts and oh my god 45 of the longest minutes. There were 45 long minutes to me, and I was just sitting there looking at my phone most of the time. But, uh, yeah, Cam was feeling it for a couple days after that. And so, yeah, we'll see. So we'll we'll be starting that up in the fall, I guess, in addition to all the other things. (laughs) And middle school. Oh, man. Fifth grade graduation took place on Friday. It was very emotional for me anyways and for the for the parents it's, it's emotional for the parents when i finished fifth grade i didn't give two shits i remember it well 
I, it's pretty well documented on this podcast how much I did not enjoy elementary school. I did not have a good time. Most of that is on me. It's the same reason that I've left three jobs already in the last uh, six months, seven months, because I, yeah, I do it to myself. I, I put entirely too much pressure on myself. I, I get into my own head. I have a, I have an eleven-year-old who does the same thing. Unfortunately, you're welcome, kiddo. That's my gift to you. Uh, stress, anxiety, paranoia, perfectionism. <laughs> Enjoy it. These are my gifts to you, my friend. Go and go and be prosperous with these with these gifts that I have given to you. Uh, yeah, good fun. So fifth grade, uh, elementary school. I couldn't. I couldn't wait to be done with elementary school. I just could not wait. I didn't. Most of my teachers I didn't like. Mrs. Pope was the biggest bitch that I've ever had a teacher anywhere from elementary school through college. Just a lousy fucking person. I'm sure she's not. I'm sure she's a fine, just fine. If I went and saw her now, she's just fine. But I hated her. Um, I, I guess, that, you know, that was it. My fifth grade teacher was nothing to write home about either. <laughs> She was pretty miserable too, but by that time I was in fifth grade and I was fully, after six years of elementary school, I had finally gotten to a point where where I've been at various points in my life, which is I don't give a fuck mode. And that was a good thing about, that's, by fifth grade, I'm like, I don't, whatever, dude, I'll do the homework, I won't do the homework. I was, I was out six, I was out sick for two weeks in fifth grade because I had a dislocated ball. One of my balls was dislocated and my left side of my <laughs> the left side of my sack was the size of a basketball and so i just sat for 2 weeks on the couch with an ice pack on my balls <laughs> because it hurt so much it hurt to even like move and uh, yeah i went to the doctor and he said hey you got a dislocated testicle cool i'm going to just stay home and the teacher sent home all the homework and i did it i did all the homework because i was out for 2 weeks and at the end of those 2 weeks was february vacation so i spent a very minimal amount of time on my February vacation doing my homework that was sent home to me. And and then I brought it all the day after vacation was over. I brought all my homework back to school and the teacher never asked for it. And then like a week later, I opened my backpack, which had which was overflowing with papers that I had done. I said, hey, do you want this homework? And she was like, why didn't you give it to me on the day after the vacation ended? Like you didn't ask for it. That was the... <laughs> And she really didn't have much to say to that. She's like, just give it to me. And then I never got it back because I think she cared even less than I did. <laughs> she was, it was like Mrs. Krabappel. It really was. And, uh, yeah, so that was, a, that was fun. Um, I just hated I hated. I hated being a kid. Not, not every, every bit of it. There was a lot of fun happening. Fun vacations, holidays, birthdays. It was a, a very ideal childhood in a lot of ways. But me, my own state internally was not so great. It was not in a good spot. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't handle things well internally. And I pushed it all down and pretended to be happy. And I was not. Anyway, so when I got out of fifth grade, I was so th- thrilled i couldn't wait and i had a piano recital my sister and i did a duet of somewhere over the rainbow and we got a sega genesis for finishing fifth grade finishing out the year strong having a beautiful recital we got a sega genesis and i got altered beast 
and I got I got Strider and I got Sonic the Hedgehog that came out and uh yeah what a great summer summer of 91 and then of course two months later Super Nintendo came out and then I was begging my dad for Super Nintendo which I eventually uh, you know the following August was able to uh was able to finally procure my wonderful father and his infinite generosity gifting us with a Super Nintendo and Street Fighter 2 and of course Super Mario World and Super Castlevania 4 it was truly truly the best of times uh but yeah once I got to middle school man I was I was a happy camper I lo- I just I, I don't know I don't know what happened if it was the stress of not having a parent working as a teacher in the same school, maybe, something like that. Sixth grade was still a little bit stressful, though, because the sixth grade used to be at my elementary school, so most of the sixth grade teachers still knew my parents, and so that made it a bit stressful, but also not really, because I was that, that I-don't-give-a-fuck thing that I picked up in fifth grade carried it right with me to sixth grade and then all the way through high school, which was nice, and that's why I enjoyed middle school, and I really enjoyed high school. And then for some dopey reason, I got back to being real serious when I went to college. I, I got to get good grades. I got to get this. I got to get a good job. Get my MBA. Get grad school. And that's where I just ruined my own life for myself by doing all those things. Uh, so here we are. And that's why That's why when I'm mildly inconvenienced, <laughs> I, I give my two weeks notice. And of course, I'm exaggerating because mild inconvenience, extreme inconvenience, backbreaking, uh, sixty-plus hour work weeks, seventy-hour work weeks. Been through it for many, many years. It takes a lot to get me fucking riled up, and so clearly, clearly, something's going on this year for me to leave one job in March, and then take another one, and then two months later, I'm done with that. So who knows? I don't know. Got problems. It all goes back to my my elementary school roots. But but back to the original thing, I was so fucking. Ha- I I wasn't even happy. I just didn't care. It was just another day. Like I didn't get emotional about any of that stuff. Like okay, fifth grade's over. Next year's middle school. Great. I don't care. Summer vacation, video games. That's all I need to know. Is that stuff changing? No, it's not. I still got my summer vacation and my video games. Fantastic. Then see you in September. I, wherever I'm supposed to be, I don't care. Uh, but as a parent, I'm like, and, and, and Cam's kind of the same way, you know, Cam had the opportunity. We had a nine 30 on Friday was the drive through graduation, the promotion ceremony, as they call it. You're promoted now to middle school to sixth grade. And some kids had the option to be just be done with the school year after that promotion ceremony on Friday. Other kids had the option of having a full day of school Friday, a full day of school Monday, and then the half day on Tuesday, and then everybody's done with school on Tuesday. And, you know, yeah, I, I think to myself, like, yeah, nobody in their right mind, why would, you, why would you go to school when you don't have to? That's crazy. But I also get it, and we had, we pushed, you know, Cam came home with us on Friday, was done after the promotion ceremony, and said, all right, my summer vacation has officially begun. But then also got a little nostalgic, we were chatting as I as I had chatted with Cam before. I said, "Listen, as an old guy, I can tell you that even though I didn't love elementary school, I loved the people that I was there with. Well, not all of them. Not uh, you know, not all of them. <laughs> I could name names, but I won't. Uh, they're not listening to this podcast, anyways. But uh, it was 
it was mostly, you know, the school part itself and the stress that I put on myself and all this bullshit. That was horrible. But the friends that I was there with, you know, you make you make these friends in elementary school, and if you're if you're like me and you're lucky, they're going to be your friends forever. So I've got you know I've got Double J who was. Uh, my friend uh, since he was born a month after I was. And then I've got Nate and Joe who I've known since I Joe Shimo. Shimo I've known forever. Still best friends. Nate, still best friends. Sean was in middle school, but still best friends. And yes, you can have more than one best friend. Go fuck yourself. Uh, and then, and then multiple friends throughout high school, college, work. My wife, I met my wife at KB Toys. I met a bunch of friends at KB Toys. I met a bunch of friends at Barnes and Noble and all the banks that I've worked for, all these other places. I have these two dudes that I've known for two months who have become very good friends in the short time that I've been with this place that I'm about to leave in three days. So, but who appeared on the on the live season one finale of the Birthday Boy podcast last year? Nate and Joe, along with Cliff and along with just Nate who are also very good friends, who are two people that I would not have met if it weren't for my my work life. Uh, but Nate and Joe been there since since elementary school. And I, I said to Cam, like, you've got your best buddy. you got your best buddy, Hal, who you've been best friends with since kindergarten. You started elementary school together at a different school in the same kindergarten class. You both came to this school the same time. You were not in the same class until last year. And then when you finally got to be in the same class together, there was a pandemic that sent everybody home. And then in fifth grade, you weren't in the same class until a couple months ago, a couple months ago when they, they merged some of the classes. And now you get to finish the school year together. So just listen to me when I say you're never going to be a fifth grader again. You're only a kid for a very, very small amount of time in your life. And then you spend the rest of your life working and needing to do adult things and responsible things and pay bills and have a car and have an apartment and have a house and have a mortgage and do this and do that. And all these things that people are all different people are going to depend on you for all these things. And right now you don't have any of that. And so in the grand scheme of things, if you go to school for another day and a half or two and a half days, you're not going to be taking tests. You're not going to be writing essays. You're not going to be learning anything. It's just bullshit time. It's fuck around time where you get to be a fifth grader for one last couple, you know, moments. So I strongly suggest take the Friday off, go back on Monday, and then go back for the half day on Tuesday and then be done. It's probably not going to happen, but whatever. But that's how but that's how Cam is. Cam's like, no, I'm good. I'm they're my friends. It's not like I'm never gonna see them again. The friendship is is not dependent on whether or not we're in a classroom together. So it's all good. I'm like, okay, it's good with me. Uh but that's how I was too. Fifth grade's over, elementary school's over. Okay, fine. Summer vacations here, I'm gonna see. All this means is that the people that I wanna see who are in my classroom, I'm gonna see those guys anyways. Except not in school. It's going to be at sleepovers and playing video games and hanging out. And the people I don't want to see, I'm not going to see them at all. So, great. So, Cam, I think, is in that same camp. And also, like, yeah, fuck school. (laughs) It's over. Be done with it. Enjoy your vacation. Trust me on this one, too. That's the other side of the coin is you get older, the vacations get smaller and smaller. (laughs) So, if you can get the opportunity to spend two months doing jack shit... In the summertime, 
hey, soak it up, soak it all in. So, so uh, yeah, I don't. I think I think they are officially retired from elementary school. I don't think we'll be. I don't think the uh, the eleven year old will be making any any further appearances, which is fine. That's a good way to. End. I mean, that's a great note to end on. Like, why would you? It seems ridiculous to graduate and then have a couple more days of school. <laughs> it's it's dumb. It's like, yeah, I wouldn't want to. If I were retiring, I wouldn't want to go have my retirement party on a Saturday and then come back for another week of work. I want to finish work. And then on my last day on Friday, we all head to the bar afterwards and have a nice little time. And then I say, goodbye. I'm never going to see any of you again. Have fun. Bye. And then that's it. So I get it. I get it. Uh, so yeah, it was a, but it's emotional, man. You, you take your kids to school and, uh, you know, I try to, I try to be there as much as I can to, to, you know, to drop them off and pick them up as much of a nightmare as that can be. That school drop off and pick up thing is just filled with asshole parents who don't know anything about how cars work or how picking up and dropping off works, but that's okay. But these last few, these last uh, week or two, this last week or two, I've been trying to get to as many pickups and drop-offs as possible, knowing that, hey, one of these kids is never going to be picked up from this elementary school again or dropped off at this elementary school again starting very soon. And now now we're officially at that point. Selfishly for me, I also would like for Cam to go to school Monday and Tuesday just so I can drop both of my children off at the same elementary school and pick them up from the same school one more time. And of course, they're going to go to the, in, in two years, they'll both be in the same middle school. They'll spend two years in the same middle school together. They'll spend three years in the same high school together. So, you know, there's, but it's, you know, uh, I can't imagine that when my kids are junior and senior in high school, that I'm going to be dropping them off in the drop up, drop off lane. <laughs> you know, they'll be driving themselves. So these are, just, it's just those moments that you just, you want to squeeze every last, Squeeze every last drop of juice from that uh, from that fruit before it's done. But so hey, I was there. Uh, Thursday was the last full day of school before the graduation ceremony. So I I was there to drop off and pick up both children on Thursday, June tenth, which I think will end up being the that's unless unless Cam has a sudden last minute change of heart, change of plans, and decides to go tomorrow and or Tuesday. I think Thursday is officially the last time that both of my kids are going to walk into elementary school together and walk out of elementary school together and get in the car. So I, I savored those moments on, I think I, I think I went every day this last week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then, yeah. And then Friday we all rode to school together. The youngest one went in, the oldest one hung out with us in the parking lot until we were ready to have the little drive-through graduation ceremony. We did the drive-through graduation ceremony, pictures with the teachers, pictures with the principal, pictures with some of the friends, all that good stuff, and then out of here, we went home. So I savored it all. It's emotional at times, but it's all good. On to, on to new things. It's just it's going to just keep getting better. And and then if they don't get their MBA and go into banking, it will it will actually keep getting better. Unlike some of us who it got worse, <laughs> it got better and better and better, and then it got worse. Oh man! Anyway, but then it got worse, and then it got better. But then it got really worse and really bad, and now hopefully it's, it's on the way to getting better for me. So we'll see. Ah. <sighs>
Yeah, I had a good. It was a good reaction, though. Uh, as you can imagine, when you're when you're at a job for less than two months and you give notice, nobody's exactly thrilled about it, especially when they bring you in and they say all these things like, "Ah, oh, this is this guy's the most senior man on the team. He's he's replacing the thirty year analyst who just left for another role." Uh, even though he's not a 30-year analyst and he's not a guru, we're going to just pretend that he is and put all the pressure on him and just dump one thing after another, after another, after another, after another in his lap, and and then, uh, you know, and then he'll leave. And then, but, you know, everybody was an adult about it. Like, hey, sorry, I'm leaving. Uh, the one, one of my, <laughs> one response was, God damn it. But but also like oh I'm so pissed but I get it and I'm an adult so you got to do what you got to do it sucks but best of luck I understand another manager ah uh, that's so disappointing but hey man I get it I'm an adult <laughs> I understand you have to do what's best for you uh, you know the company itself isn't gonna care about you so you have to do what's right for you blah 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 all the usual stuff sadness but I get it. Even if you want to reach through the computer screen and wring my neck, we're still just adults about it. And then there was one person who, uh, whose response was, uh, not even a joke. Uh, I take this personally. I, 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 there's no way I can't take this personally. Uh, I, I fought for this. This I, I fought for this for you for something that I that I had asked for. The reason. And by the way, the reason that this person fought for something for me is because they didn't fight for it for me up front when I was negotiating. They, I felt somewhat, uh, <sighs> somewhat betrayed by the fact that, uh, that I was put in for a, a certain pay rate, which is considerably lower than what I would normally take. But I also thought, eh, based on what everybody's telling me, this doesn't seem like it's a crazy crazy stressful situation and then i show up on the first day and find out that i'm this you're the most senior guy on the team and we're going to look to you and lean to you for this and all these things and this and this and this and uh and so then i had to call this particular person and say hey you did not pay me enough for this and i'm going to be out of here and so they they made they squared that away but it's also like I shouldn't have had to make that call. If I I trusted you that you were looking out for my best interests and I was willing to take a slight pay cut for something that was pitched to me as a more junior level position that wouldn't have been all that crazy and stressful and and challenging. And I said, "Okay. Reasonable enough." And then none of that ended up being true. So, there was a major major breakdown in communication. And so the fact that I had to <laughs> that I had to ask for more money after a week on the job was rather uncomfortable for me, but it had to be done. Uh, and then, of course, I asked for it and I got it. And then this person held it over my head the whole time. Said, "Boy, I really my boss was really mad when I had to had to go back to them with this, and I really I really went to bat for you." Blah blah blah. And in my mind, I'm thinking, but you didn't go to bat for me because if you went to bat for me, we wouldn't have had to have this conversation because you would have, you would have put me in at the, the rate that I should have been in at the first place. <sighs> so naturally, when I gave my notice, <laughs> I take this personally. This is a personal attack. Why, why, why are you doing this? Why I can't? And, and then I gave my reasons. And then the response was that to that was, I don't believe you. 
which is the moment where I said, I will probably never speak to you again. We have been colleagues and dare I say even friends for these last two years. And now you're telling me that you're taking a decision that I made for me and my family only. You're taking that as a personal attack, which is like, that's maybe, I don't know, you've been in this business for a long time. Maybe grow up and be an adult about it and don't take it personally because it's business. Uh, And then you're calling me a liar when I'm explaining you the reasons why. (laughs) So you don't even believe me no matter what. And then at the end of it said, but I I will work with you again in the future. To which I silently said, I will not work with you again in the future. I will do my very best to not ever cross paths with you again in the future. I would do work with your company. I would do business with your company in the future and not you. Because of (laughs) – like talk about taking something personally. Calling me – and to to clarify, this is my recruiter. So whatever. (coughs) I don't have a very high opinion of recruiters. I think they're mostly just total scumbags. They're total pieces of shit. Uh, but I've been very fortunate to... I have a, several in the Charlotte area who are just consummate professionals, great humans, great people, easy to work with, get the job done, trustworthy. And then I had one here in Boston who I, who I thought was really, really great and is really great at, at their job. Uh, except when they take me leaving as a personal attack and then call me a liar when I'm describing the reasons why I'm leaving. So that's not somebody I'm going to be worried. And then, and then says, oh, but I'll, I'll work with you again. Well, of course you will because I make you money. But not anymore. I don't want to share my money with you anymore. If you think I'm a liar, then you shouldn't work with me and I'm not going to work with somebody who calls me a fucking liar. So fuck off. Yeah, so that's that's the end of that relationship. Uh, but it's just weird, right? Like, hey, everybody else was an adult. They're all thinking the same thing. Like, how could he? He's been here for two months. He's leaving. He's going someplace else. How dare he? But they're not going to say that. They're going to say, and, and, and frankly, I don't think most people think that anyways because I've never felt that. When somebody leaves, no matter how good they are or how much I don't want them to leave, if they have gone out of their way to go through all that effort of leaving a job, if it's after 20 years or 20 days, they have a reason for it. I might know that reason and I might not. And if I don't, it's none of my goddamn business. But they obviously had a reason for not wanting to be at this job anymore. And I have never in the history of anything taken it remotely personally because that's what babies do. And I think that might be insulting to babies because I don't think babies would give a shit anyways. Uh, it's, it's crazy. I, I met my future wife at work and then volunt- asked to be transferred to another store so that I could make more money. I missed out on the opportunity to keep working. We, we would have fun together, working together when we were boyfriend and girlfriend. And I left that store to go make money at a different store, at a different KB Toys. And nobody took it personally. My future wife did not take it personally when I left the store where we both worked and carpooled together. And I, and I blew all of that up and went someplace else. Did not take it personally. Nobody has taken any of it personally. I've never taken anything personally when anybody has ever left, no matter how good it was and how much I didn't want them to leave and this and that. 
Nothing personal. You've got your reasons. This is work. Nobody's loyal. This isn't the old days where you work at the same place for 35 years and you get a nice big fat pension and a nice cake and a little plaque and a little certificate and a little watch and say, good luck, buddy. Your house has been paid for for 20 years and now you can just go spend the next 30 years doing absolutely nothing and getting paid 85% of your salary to do so. It, those days are dead. They're gone forever. It, with a few small exceptions, they're gone. Certainly in the, uh, yeah, <laughs> certainly in the industry that I'm in and, and most industries for that matter. Uh, so the fact that anybody, an, an adult in their 30s would take the news that I am going on to another job because I feel it's better for me, would take that personally is absurd. And it tells me everything I need to know. So we're done. I'm done with this person. This person, like they're doing me a favor, said, I will, however, despite the fact that I think you're a fucking liar and I think you're a scumbag and I think you're lying to me and I think that the reasons that you're leaving this job are to personally sabotage me and have nothing to do with your wife and your kids and your family, your mental health or anything like that. It's a personal attack on me, and that's how I'm going to take it. Uh, but I'm going to give you the honor of getting to work with me again down the road. And I thought to myself, how does this person think that there's a chance that I'm even going to talk to them after today? It's over. It's over, kid. You revealed yourself. I tried to put you in a different category as other recruiters because they are most recruiters. Most recruiters are pretty stupid. Sorry, but not sorry. That's a fact. Uh, most recruiters are sleazy, like used car salesmen sleazy because they're slinging flesh. And uh, yeah, <laughs> most recruiters are pretty fucking dishonest too because they want themselves to get the largest piece of that pie and for you to get the least amount and still be happy. So they're not necessarily fighting for you, the candidate, to get the most amount of money. They're fighting for themselves to get the most amount of money. And so when, when and so this person who I always trusted that would fight for me did not, and then I had to go back and get what was rightfully due to me, and they made it happen, but then they held it over my head. Every conversation they had always had to slip in, like, oh, yeah, I really... I really had to go to bat for you. The manager was not pleased. I'm like, well, that's not my fucking fault. But thanks for trying to make me feel like shit. And so then naturally when I gave my notice, they said, uh, well, after I went to after I did this, it's a per this is a personal attack. No, it's not. You think that you went to bat for me because that's what you have told yourself in your head. But really what happened is you didn't go to bat for me. And then instead of me just leaving with no notice at all, you had to go to bat to get what I should have had in the first place. And then I left anyways because it's still a terrible environment and I fucking need to worry about my mental and physical health. And at no point have I thought, oh, geez, I hope, I hope that this person doesn't take it personally. I hope I don't personally offend my colleagues for leaving. I don't care. It sucks. I do care in the sense that some of these people I develop personal relationships with as friends and I hate to leave uh, you know, all this work for now people have to, you know, have to take my work, which was already more than I could handle in, in, in most cases. And uh, so that sucks. I do feel bad. 
but I also don't care in the sense that, like, hey, these guys can also do the same thing, and they can fucking go find something else that makes them happy. And that's what I'm attempting to do. And I don't care. It's not easy. <laughs> Having to do this every few months is incredibly stressful. It's incredibly difficult. It's incredibly time-consuming. And on top of that, having to make that call, which I have now done more times than I care to say, not just to the people that I'm working for to say, hey, I know I've only been here for two or three months and I'm leaving, but then to also have now two different times in the last several months where I have accepted something and then had to back out of it for legitimate reasons, but still, it's this whole thing sucks and it's not me, it's not what I like to do, it's not what I want to do. I want to just, I want to have that fucking 35 years where I work at the same place and I'm not killing myself and I'm not tossing and turning all night looking at my sleep score in the morning and seeing how little sleep I got because I was awake half the night just lying there staring at the ceiling. I don't want to do that shit. And I got so close to it last year where I actually felt that like, wow, I'm, I'm not losing sleep over work, I go to work at 9, I close the laptop at 5, and I don't, as a 501, I'm not even thinking about work until the next day, everything's good, there's tons of work, but it's not, it's not, you know, over, it's not getting into my head, it's not just stuff being dumped in my lap for the sake of needing somebody to do stuff, it's, it all makes sense, it's all good, and that's what I hope that I'm getting at this next job, because that's all I, that's all I fucking want, just a reasonable, a reasonable, fucking quality of life which is not a really high standard that i've set for myself but that's where we are that's how low that's how low the bar is at this point that i i want to be able to like you know sleep more than four hours at night that's the bar (laughs) that's the fucking bar when it's nine o'clock at night i don't want to be saying like okay just uh, another another hour and i'll be able to close this laptop for the day until i open it back up at eight o'clock tomorrow morning but yes, but yes, it was a personal attack on on you. That's that was my motivation. How can I how can I fuck with this person that I've known for two years and have developed a personal relationship and friendship with? How can I how can I really just stick it to them? Because that's what I do. I stick it to people. <sighs> yeah, it's good. It's fun to have adults in the room. Oh my goodness. Uh, and then that's 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 about well okay. One last thing. I, <laughs> here I was thinking I didn't have anything to talk about. Switching gears completely. Uh, Resident Evil 8 Village. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. It's, uh, you know, I don't have, I can't get into these. I, I haven't got into the cyberpunk game because I just know this is going to be, what, 60, 70, 80 hours worth of gameplay. That's, that's just a ton. And I and I and it's not a compelling enough game for me to 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 be into it that much. Resident Evil Village was per it was, I think for most people it's about a nine or ten hour game. It took me twelve because I I explore. I'm one of those uh, you know explore all the all the areas and blah blah blah. And I think also there were times where I just let you know I, I knew I was in a safe spot, so I didn't pause the game. I just let it sit there. While I would, uh, I don't know, do stuff. <laughs> but um, anyway, it's a 12-hour game. That's pretty reasonable. 
you play uh, an hour here, an hour there, a couple hours on the weekend, yada, yada, yada. And it's, uh, yeah, the game came out on the 20-something, I think, before. It was either before, it was the end of May. It came out two or three weeks ago. Played it a couple couple weeknights if I would if I would find myself occasionally finishing work at seven o'clock I could play maybe an hour of it and then on the weekend play a couple hours and great atmosphere unbelievably good graphics oh my god the 4k on these on this Resident Evil on the on the Xbox Series X ah it's just you can just you know when it's cloudy and dark and snowy it looks gorgeous and then they have scenes where the sun is shining on the snow and it's even more gorgeous and then inside the inside the castles and the haunted houses and the factories and all these other places it's so good it's just so good man i loved it and uh yeah i'm very sad that it's over but it was it's a super fun game it's it, i it's my favorite resident evil I love the first two, but I know I will never play those again because I can't. I can't go back to that shitty control scheme, those tank controls. It's, can't do that. Uh, yeah, I just I loved it. I loved it. It was such a great atmosphere, creepy, weird. It was cool. I didn't love the. I didn't love the ending, but whatever. I, I also don't care that much. Some people are really into the whole Resident Evil lore and all that stuff. I, I don't. I don't give a shit. It doesn't matter to me. Just a fun game. Just a fun game, and now I'm now I'm looking for the next. I'm I'm thinking about that Mass Effect trilogy, the remastered Mass Effect Legacy Edition or whatever it's called. Uh, but I've I've already I on the original Mass Effect one. I played through that game twice. It's a long game. It's one of my favorite games. It's a it's a it's a it's an industry defining series. It it. Uh, it's it changed i mean that was the first game that was like oh it's an rpg but it's also a shooter i i i can't think of ones before that that were like that i mean i know there were you know the elder scrolls games had had those elements where you were you know you were the combat was in real time and stuff like that but but this mass effect was just just so huge and so so rich in the environments and the characters and the stories and all this stuff, and then to, and then to be able to follow through, take your save game from the first one, and it carries over to the second game. So all the all your accomplishments and all your characters and stories and things from the first carry over to the second, and carries over to the third. It's amazing. And there's stuff that I didn't do in the in the original playthroughs, characters that I would love to not have die, and so forth. But I don't know. I, I, I'm sure eventually that's going to be for free on Game Pass on the EA side of Game Pass, so I'm, I'm I think I'm just going to hold off. If nothing else, the, the game is going to be half price probably by the end of the summer. So, uh, but what did I play yesterday? I was actually playing some Witcher Blood and Wine, the DLC that I, I somewhat abandoned and went back to yesterday. And uh, I don't remember what else I played yesterday. I played a few things. Cam and I have been playing some Mario Kart, and I suck at that. They had the they had the poor man's Nickelodeon version of Mario Kart on sale for like five bucks on the Nintendo eShop. So we played that on the Switch last week with like the Ninja Turtles and SpongeBob and the Rugrats as little kart racers, and it sucks. 
there's something else that I played quite a bit of yesterday, and I can't remember what it was. I completely. Oh, I played a little Ghosts of Tsushima, which I keep saying it's Ghosts of Tsushima, but I think it's Ghost of Tsushima. That's a good one. It took a it took a bit to, you know, when you abandon these games for I hadn't I hadn't played it since January, and so to jump back in and I'm just standing there like where what's happening, where did I leave off? What's the mission? What's the quest? What am I doing? I don't know. But good fun, great graphics, great combat. But I, I got to tell you, I play in these games on the on the Series X, and they just look so good. Even even the ones that aren't next gen games, they look so good. So when I when I jump over to the to the PlayStation Four, still looks great. But it's like ah, this is, this isn't as good. This is not as good. <laughs> but yeah, it's good fun. Fucking video games, man. Uh, and then finally, it's funny cause it's Sunday morning and, uh, about an hour ago, I was talking to Kim about this. It's just funny how on Sundays I still, I haven't attended church on a Sunday regularly since high school, you know, throughout, throughout my twenties, I would go to, I would go to church here and there with, with my parents or a special occasion, things like that. Uh, I'm trying to remember the last, the last time I was in any church for any reason. I mean, I, I don't know. Maybe there was a wedding at some point. I don't even know. Uh, I think Christmas Eve, maybe 2016, 2017, we went to some some mega church in North Carolina that my family was attending at the time, and it was very strange. Those churches are fucking weird. They're you know when you've got like the band up there and they're playing, and now there's here's some youngsters with some some rock and roll for Jesus. And then they have they have little sketches that they do and they had like this girl was talking about her son Jesus and it's you know they're the subtext is uh they're they're beating you over the head with the subtext that's how subtle it is uh on these sketches. <laughs> oh my son Jesus he was playing in puddles. He thinks he can walk on water. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, and it's, it's just fucking, it's so, it's so weird. And they have those big giant TV screens and you're looking, it's like, this is, this is a, is this, is this what church looks like now? Cause I want, I want an old dusty, uh, you know, I want a dusty old building that's hundreds of years old with stained glass windows and some old lady who's, who's older than the church playing the organ, <laughs> And robes and vestments and you know I want I want just boring old church I don't want that either quite frankly let's let's just be clear I don't I don't want any church but yeah I, it's it's weird to go in and everybody's just like yeah we're gonna have a rocking time yeah oh rock and roll and fellowship <laughs> oh man it's good stuff yeah so I uh, yeah and that uh, that was the last time. <laughs> And, um, uh, anyways, I was, th- I was thinking about it this morning cause I still, after having attended all that church when I was a kid, when I get up now on Sunday mornings and I look at the time and I see that it's like, say nine fifteen or nine twenty, and I start to get like, Oh God, we're 10 minutes until church starts in my mind. I, I flash back to all those times where everybody's running around screaming, you know, trying to get to the shower, trying to get to the bathroom, 
mostly I'm just sitting down at the kitchen table having a bowl of cereal and I'm dressed and ready to go. And I'm waiting for everybody else and they're screaming at each other. We're going to be, we're going to be late. It's 925. Church starts in five minutes. We're going to be late for church. God damn it. And I'm just, I'm sitting there having a bowl of Captain Crunch. Watching wrestling, looking at the cartoons and the newspaper and the Sunday paper, and I and, and I and I get that I still get that on Sunday mornings. I'll look at the time and think like, oh, it's nine thirty. Service is going to start. Better get up off my ass. Stop playing these video games and get dressed. I'm going to be in trouble. And that was the one time. You know, I I was I used to it used to drive me crazy when I when I was in high school and I would drive my sister to to uh, to school and. I, you know, when I didn't have to take her, I would leave at, uh, whatever, 20 after 7. So, yeah, 7.20, because I think school, I think the first class was at, like, some weird time. It was, like, 7.51 or something like that. I don't know. And so I'd leave at, at 20 after, get there at 7.30, park, hang out by the lockers, see my friends, get my stuff ready for my first class, all that stuff. Good. No rush, no bad traffic, no nothing. And then, of course, my sister would take uh, you know, three days to get ready, and I would just be sitting downstairs looking at the time. And now it's 7.25, and now it's 7.30, and now it's 7.35, and I would be screaming, we have to go! We have to go now! Because school starts! I, I don't want to be sitting in traffic! I don't want to rush to get there! And, and then I would, yeah, then we would just be screaming at each other, and it was, it was good fun. Um, yeah, church was the same, except I didn't give a shit when we left. I, I, every, every Sunday morning, I would hope that these people would fight and be late and just keep being late. And then we would just skip church. Of course, that never happened. And then I would be happy because I thought, well, we're going to be late for church. So at least that means our seat that we always sit in, in the very front row is going to be taken. And of course, it never was because nobody wants to sit in the front row except for us and the Stenders. And so the Stenders had their front row seat on the left side. We had our front row seat on the right side. And it was always there waiting for us no matter how late we were. <laughs> and I couldn't believe we would be 10 minutes late sometimes. And we would sneak in there and then all the seats were filled. And then we'd somehow magically get to that front row. And there it is just waiting for us, our little VIP section. Well, I was the Hopkins family seat up in the front row. And I just, I would see that and say, oh, God damn it. Why can't somebody just sit here so we don't have to? I can't stand this fucking front row. Uh, and then uh, the thing that I always wanted to do, I always wanted to go to the 8 o'clock service because that was a service for the old people who already had been up since 4. In the, their day's halfway over by 8 o'clock. Breakfast was hours ago. They're getting ready for lunch. They're going to leave this church at 8.30 and they're going to go have lunch and then a few hours later, they're gonna have dinner at, at three in the afternoon, and then go to bed at five. So their their day is their day is already already starting to wind down by eight o'clock. And I loved it because there were like ten people, a dozen people, all these blue haired. By the way, I always thought it was a joke when people would people would say like, "Oh, some blue haired old lady," but they all had blue hair. I was talking to Kim. I guess that was from the shampoo. The shampoo. There was something in the shampoo, and it mixed with the hair, and it would turn their hair blue. Yeah, it's all these old these old ladies who I'm realizing were probably, you know, these old ladies who probably fought in the Civil War and uh, they're sitting in my church cuz they're 120 years old in the 80s. And uh 
and, <laughs> and so I love going because it was just all the old timers. The, the youngest person in there was like 93. And uh, yeah, and we'd go, no songs, none of the pomp and circumstance, none of the pageantry, none of the bullshit, just a couple of readings, a couple of little uh, incantations, a little sermon. Okay, class dismissed, out of here. No, no organ, no singing, no nothing. Bare bones, I loved it. And so I never, ever got to go to the, I, I'm trying to negotiate like, hey, I don't want to go to church at all in any way, shape, or form, but how about we meet somewhere in the middle because I hate going to that 930 church service so much because the thing takes three days to get through because they have to sing every song in the friggin' hymnal and then they have to talk about announcements and they have, everybody has to stand up and give some kind of an announcement and then the sermon goes on. You know, the guy, the guy, the priest is doing a warm up at eight o'clock. That's like the, that's the Cliff's Notes version of the sermon. And then you get the full length version, the director's unedited director's cut uh, at the, at the 9.30. And then it's noon before the friggin' doors open to get out of church. And then you got to go over and you have to mingle over in the, in the hall, in the parish hall, whatever it's called. You have to go over and mingle and have, you know, okay, you get some free, uh, you know, free cookies and cakes and bullshit and juice and coffee and all that. And that's nice. But also you have to, oh, every single, oh, hey, how's school? What are you going to be when you grow up? Where are you looking at college? What is that? Are you going to get married? Are you going to have kids? Are you gonna, what, are you, what, are you, what are your interests? What are your hobbies? What do you think? I don't know. My hobby is getting the hell out of here so I can go home and watch wrestling and play video games and nap. That's my hobby is getting to have a Sunday so I can just sit and do nothing before goddamn school starts in the morning. That's my fucking interest in life. That's the thing I'm, I'm here. You want to know what I'm passionate about? Getting away from this conversation and going home. That's my passion in life. And at 8 o'clock, nobody gives a shit about anybody's life or their career or their aspirations or their goals or schools and college they want to go to and all the other things. It's not a fucking job interview like it was going to the 930 service and mingle with all these people. Oh, it's just dreadful. It's dreadful. How do so many people like doing this? I don't get it. Is the conversation different today? What's what's happening at church? Because every time I've gone, even in, in the more recent years, it's uh, it, it's still a lot of the same shit. So sorry, but it's not not exactly for me. So yeah, I, oh, I just I would just I would beg to go to that eight o'clock. Like if you have to make me go to church because I'm not yet eighteen and I uh, living under this roof and have to do the things that I have to do. Can't I just go to the early bird service where nobody says anything and they just go in and they do a little prayer and they read a couple things and then they get the hell out of there? Can't I just do that? And it's silent. There's no songs. There's no organ. No. The negotiation is you have to go to the four-hour long thing every day that has uh, singing and dancing and cloaks and capes and zoo animals and jugglers and everything else and then afterwards another hour of socializing and mingling and talking about your school and your career and your life and everything that these total strangers want to know about you oh and it was good and by the way it was good fun 
when I told people I want to go, I want to go to film school. Oh, what are you going to do with that? Well, I don't know. I guess considering nobody in the history of humankind has ever made any money making art and making movies and television, I guess I, I guess nothing. Yeah, luckily that didn't get into my head and I just went with my gut and went to film school and followed through on that and didn't go into something ridiculous that I had no business being a part of, like banking. Uh, so that's good. Oh, anyways, I'm getting a headache. I'm going to wrap this up real soon. I haven't even taken a break. Hour and 24 minutes, I haven't stopped. This is exhausting. This is exhausting. Uh, so yeah, so on Sundays I, I get like... Not every Sunday, but but sometimes I get that I get that Sunday. I mean, Sunday is just a whole day of anxiety. You know, the the Sunday scaries, as they now call it, which is a stupid term, but it fits. It does fit. I mean, I've had that since I was in second grade, first grade, um, as most people have too. I don't I don't know that everybody had it in first grade, but I certainly did, going way back, and. Uh, yeah, and then I would get it. Yeah, I would get the, and now I get it early in the morning when I think about the old days of of going to church. <laughs> and then, of course, the one the times that I would get to go to the eight o'clock service, it was because I was an altar boy, and I would have to go attend the eight o'clock service and then come back for the nine thirty. And my parents would be like, "Hey, see, you get to go to the church service you want to go to." Like that's not the point. The point is to go to the early church service so that I don't have to go to the other one. Not double church. I'm not looking to add to my church. I'm looking to subtract from church. I'm looking for less church, not more church. I have too much church. Any amount of church is too much church. So you add to that and it is really too much church. But some people really like church. And I don't know why. It's never made me feel good. It's never made me feel happy. It's just made me feel annoyed. And it's made me feel like I should run to the door and leave. And it's made, the only, the thing that church does is it makes me look at my watch more than I normally would. I guess that's the thing about church. Helped me, helped me learn how to tell time at an early age. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Church. So yeah, so I would go to the eight o'clock church. And then, and then it's like, oh, well, you can just, you can go home and relax. Oh, great. So the eight o'clock church, that's going to end at 830. And the 930 church starts at 930. But uh, since I'm an altar boy today, I have to be back at like 915 to get back into these disgusting robes and to light the candles and to bow when I'm lighting the candles and then walk across the stage and then bow. It's a bow to the middle of the stage because, you know, God is you can't see him, but he's sitting there in the middle of the stage and you have to bow when you walk across the stage or curtsy. I would bow and then people would go, oh, you genuflect, you have to curtsy, like get on your one knee. Oh. What else am I doing wrong? What else? What other parts of this five-hour marathon church Sunday fiesta is not living up to your expectations of a 14-year-old in fucking dickhead robes running around on this stage. Altar. I guess it's the altar. I always call it the stage. Oh, my God. But, uh, yeah, so so that was fun. So, like, hey, you get to go to the 8 o'clock service today. That's what you've always wanted. 
Yes, I've, that's what I've been... You heard me loud and clear. I've been begging, please let me go to two, not one church service, but please let me go to two services every week. Oh, goody, look, I'm in both. I'm on the, I'm, 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 I'm an altar boy on both of these church services. That's exactly what, as you've been listening to me, you know that that's what I've been asking for, is to take part in two church services every week. Oh, yeah, that's good. And then they would have that Stations of the Cross during Holy Week before Easter which was, was it every day? It was, it was every Friday, I feel like, for maybe, is it during the 40 days and 40 nights? I, I don't really know. I just know that I found myself, as I often did, I, I would just, just these random weekdays that I would find myself at church. That's how I knew, oh, it must be April because it's a, it's a Wednesday and I'm at church. And, uh, and I know it's, it's got to be close to Easter because I was also here Monday and Tuesday and Sunday. And I'm going to be here Saturday for some reason. And, and for the next several weeks, I'm going to be here every Friday. It must be, must, be getting close to, must be getting close to Easter. But I also knew that means it's getting close to WrestleMania. So the station, I think there's 14 stations of the cross. And I hated, hated stations of the cross because I would be the altar boy who got to stand there and hold the giant gold cross on the wooden stick while we went around to every station and told the tale of, of Jesus, I think, going to every station of the... I, I, I didn't listen to it, not once. The 5,000 times I did stations of the cross, I didn't listen. You know why? Because each station of the cross, in my mind, was a different WrestleMania recap. So we would get to WrestleMania, we would get to this first station of the cross, and I would say, in my mind, I would pretend that I was Gorilla Monsoon or maybe Todd Pettengill, and that I was doing some kind of annual WrestleMania spectacular where we would we were, we would review the highlights of every WrestleMania. So we would go to the first station of the cross, and I'm standing there holding the cross, and in my mind, you know, and they're reading about all the stuff that happens. And I, I still don't know. This is like Jesus walking up the mountain. To go to be put on the cross, maybe. I, I don't know. So station one, Father Bennett starts reading about what happened, and I am in my mind, I'm like, WrestleMania one came to you from Madison Square Garden, sold out in New York City. All the celebrities were on hand: Cindy Lauper, <laughs> Liberace, Muhammad Ali, Mr. T, all taking part in the greatest spectacular in the history of sports entertainment. <laughs> And the main event featured the immortal Hulk Hogan and Mr. T facing off against Roddy Roddy Piper and Paul Orndorff in the first WrestleMania main event. And I would just go through and they're like, yeah. WrestleMania 5, Atlantic City. <laughs> the mega powers collide as the immortal Hulk Hogan challenges the Macho Man Randy Savage for the World Wrestling Federation Championship. And then I think there were 14 stations and this, you know, by the time we got to the late 90s, like, you know, it started where there were maybe like 10 or 11 WrestleManias. So, yeah, I would have to, there were usually a couple leftover stations. But by the time we got to 1998 and we're at WrestleMania 14, I'm thinking, ah, oh, this is perfect. And of course, just in time for me to graduate from high school, thereby graduating from church, because that was officially when I stopped going, it was, uh... Yeah, I said. Of course, now that I'm now that I could actually do this every week and have a have fourteen WrestleManias to walk through. I can't imagine the kids today. There's been thirty seven WrestleManias and there's only fourteen stations of the cross. At least back in the nineties, I 
I didn't have any leftover WrestleManias. I, I didn't have to I didn't have to pick and choose. There were there were exactly the number of WrestleManias that I needed to recap. Nowadays, if some kid's standing there holding the cross, it's like, yeah, well, I guess you what do you go through? Maybe maybe highlights of your favorite WrestleManias? Anyway. But yeah, that's every Friday night, Stations of the Cross, I would stand there next to the different station. WrestleMania 7, Los Angeles, California. <laughs> It was a career-ending match between the Macho King and the Ultimate Warrior. <laughs> WrestleMania 8, coming to you from the Hoosier Dome, Indianapolis, Indiana. 60,000 plus on hand to witness what could be Hulk Hogan's final match against Sid Justice. <laughs> Live in the Hoosier Dome. <coughs> oh my god. Yeah. That's, that was, that was, that was honestly, that's how I got through any church. I would just, yeah, I would just have, I would have, when I was a young kid, I would picture that the Transformers were doing battle in, on the altar. And I would picture, you know, like they're shoot, like chandeliers are falling from the ceiling and they're using like the fan blades to like throw at each other's throats and stuff like that. And like the, uh, the organ pipes, the organ transforms and all the organ pipes are actually blasters rocket launchers to take out Optimus Prime. <laughs> oh man. But Organtron transform and destroy the Autobots. And then of course as I grew out of Transformers to to some degree and, and found wrestling to be more my more my interest as I got older, then I would then I would picture that there was a wrestling ring in the in the middle of the they would take out all the all the shit that was on the altar, the books and the Bibles and stuff like that, and the candles, and they would just have a wrestling ring. And that, yeah, that Calvary Episcopal Church was the site of, was going to be the site of, uh, you know, WrestleMania 13. What a tremendous afternoon here in Burnhills, New York. Sold out, jam-packed to the rafters at Calvary Episcopal Church to witness the incredible matchup between the hitman Bret Hart and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh man. Yeah. Thank God for daydreaming. Which is ironic that I'm thanking God for daydreaming so I don't have to pay attention in church. Uh anyways. Yeah, so so every Sunday I sometimes I look at the clock and I think, uh-oh. It's 9:22 and we haven't left for church. Someone's going to be angry. <laughs> and then I would be I was jealous because I had friends Nate and Joe went to the, the the Catholic church there, which I think started at like 10 or 10.30. And I was always so jealous because like I would get up, I got up seven days a week and delivered newspapers. And then on Sunday, of course, is the huge Sunday paper. So we're up delivering the newspapers and then we had to race home so we can get cleaned up and dressed and showered and ready to go to church. Oh man, yeah. No wonder I don't want to do anything anymore. I'm done. It's been it's been 30 years of this stuff. It's enough already. Where I should get my pension and my gold watch. For all that church, I should get some kind of the the the, the Episcopal diocese. Diocese. Diocesan. Diocesan. The diocesan calendar of prayer. Uh they should be giving me a pension. For all all the volunteer work I did, I should be getting some kind of some kind of compensation. 
Oh, man. So, yeah, that's that's what I go through every Sunday morning. Well, not every Sunday morning. I mean, and only to a certain degree. And then and then the thing is, like, my kids don't understand. They, they don't understand what it's like. I, I turned to Cam this morning just before I got up to do this podcast. I turned to Cam and I said, hey, uh, it's it's 9.45. We got to uh, – church is in 15 minutes. You got you to gotta get dressed now. We got to go. We got church. Let's go. And, of course, Cam just went, ha, 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 <laughs> and then went back to playing on the iPad. <laughs> I'm like, you don't, you don't even know. Oh, you, you're growing up living in Pee Wee's Playhouse. You have no idea what it's like. You have no idea. That's not to say that I didn't grow up in Pee Wee's Playhouse because I had plenty of cool shit to play with. But so very often it was left, left behind as I was going off. Going off to one of the many church services. Oh, boy. Yeah. That was good fun. But then, you know, but then I found gold. I, I found my good old buddy Mikey, super fan Mike, crazy Mike. And, uh, you know, when we had to join the Episcopal Youth. Wait a minute. What, what did the C stand for? It was EYC. Episcopal Youth Council? Committee? Children? I always called it the Episcopal Youth Group, but that would be the EYG, and it was not. It was called the EYC. Oh, and then we'd have, oh, my God. Then it was sleepovers and lock-ins and trips to the movies, and it's like, are we, do we have to be this close to each other? Do we, do we have to spend this much time together? Isn't, isn't the three hours that we see each other on Sunday, isn't, is that not enough? Do we need to do more of this? Do we really need to go have a movie date together and then go up to the mountains to have a retreat? Do we have to do that? Do we have to have sleepovers in the church and sleepovers up up in Brant Lake? Can we just can we just call it a day on Sunday and then like, hey, see you next week or maybe in a couple weeks because maybe we'll just take next Sunday off? Yeah, right. There were no Sundays off in this house. <laughs> <laughs> even even when I got to summer vacation, it was a right around this time every year that it was kind of like they would kind of have the season finale of church. It was that first or second Sunday in June. They would have on on Friday and Saturday, or on I guess maybe just Saturday, they would have the big chicken barbecue, this big you know fundraiser. They they'd get all these chickens and they'd set up all these cinder block grill pit things out in the front lawn and the men would grill the chickens and the women would be baking the whatever sides and uh and 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 packaging it up in the kitchen and all that stuff the men are grilling and the women are packaging up the chicken and uh and you could you could dine you could come and pick up your chicken and you could eat it there they'd have card tables set up where you could eat or you take it home and i Everybody raved about this chicken. It's the most delicious chicken you've ever had in your life. I thought the chicken tasted like, I don't know what this is like, but I can only equate it to what I would imagine it would be like if I just started eating diapers. Not not new diapers, mind you. It just, to me, it's like this. I feel like this is what a used diaper would taste like, is what this chicken, I thought it was so disgusting. I'm not really a chicken person, but... You know, good chicken. I I recognize when I'm eating good chicken, and I everybody's oh, this is the most succulent, 
savory, delicious chicken, and I would take a bite of it. I'm like, this tastes like actual poop. I don't know what it tastes like, but I would imagine that actual poop tastes like this chicken. Strawberry shortcake was pretty good, though. But anyways, that's how you knew church was over for the summer. You'd have the chicken barbecue on Saturday, and then on Sunday we'd come in and we'd have, like, the the seniors would stand up on the stage, and, oh, it was great. After spending your entire life having all the old people ask you where you're going to college and what are you going to do with your life, then you get to stand up the stage and so that the priest, the Father Bennett, can say, hey, here's our seniors. They're graduating. Where are you going to school? Someplace good. How about you? Where are you going to school? Someplace good that everybody's heard of. John Hopkins, where are you going to school? Uh, community college. <laughs> yeah. But I'm not dumb. I'm just dumb in the sense that I'm going to community college instead of going to like a school that I would actually like going to. Although I really, really liked my community college. I liked it so much that I have never put it on my resume ever. But anyways, uh, it is where I actually learned I learned stuff there. The rest of it, I didn't learn too much. In community college, there were actual, like, knowledgeable people who really, uh, really, really, really cared about the, uh, the subject matter. And, and, and then that was, that was hit or miss throughout the rest of college. But anyway, yeah, so that was fun. Oh, you're going to this great school. You're going, oh, wow, yeah, everybody knows that one. That's a prestigious institute what a what a wonderful university you'll be attending uh and john hopkins it was so great that i didn't even say the school that i was actually going to in the fall which was hudson valley community college the ivy league of the community college system harvard on the hudson as as it's known in some circles uh but father bennett got to me and just he just said because I I had a few schools that I was thinking about going to, and he just he looked at me and he's like, "And you're going to Marist, right?" And I just uh, I just sort of nodded my head like, "Yeah, that's a that's a school with a name. Yes, yes, that's sure. That is a school that I have visited and probably won't attend." <laughs> my God, I thought, "Wow, you could just like it's no big deal. I'm not." Uh, am I the only one who's not ashamed of the fact that I'm going to Hudson Valley Community College and I'm still not really ashamed of it because it's fucking, yeah, it's community college. There's a lot of morons there, but that doesn't mean that it's a moron school. It just means it's a school that like most people can go to and and a large number of morons are going to be there. This is the people who have already had like three senior years and now this is basically their fourth senior year. So yeah, it's it's kind of, you know, whatever. But it's also a college. It's also an accredited college, and you're going to get college credit. It's you're still taking calculus. It's the same calculus that you would take anyplace else, except I'm paying two thousand dollars a year for it instead of twenty. Oh, but I made up for that later by going to grad school. So <laughs> I almost, I almost, uh, I was, I was in danger for a little bit of getting out of college with no debt or very, very small amounts of it. But I made sure to. Made sure to fix that one by going to grad school. So, so yeah, uh, yeah. Even the even my priest was embarrassed for me to be going <laughs> to community college so much so that he just made up. He just threw in a random school that I had visited and said, "Oh yeah, you're going to Marist, right?" And I'm like, oh yeah. But now I'm disappointed because like, who fucking cares about Marist? I went to, I went to Binghamton. That's that's the Harvard of the SUNY system. I don't care what people say about Geneseo. Geneseo can kiss my ass. SUNY Binghamton is where the smart people go. 
and then the and then the slightly smart, somewhat smart people certainly go to Geneseo. But I mean, Binghamton is the really that's the really really smart people, and uh, and so now I'm like, wow, all these old people who are who have been dead for twenty years, they think I went to Marist. Uh, I, I wish I could just go back. I should just show up at that church one day and be like, uh, excuse me, hi, I'm 41, but uh, about 23 years ago, uh, Father Bennis stood here and told everyone that I was going to Marist. I never went to Marist. I went to SUNY Binghamton, much, much better school, uh, much, much smarter, uh, higher caliber of student by far. So I just, I just want everybody to know that I did not absolutely not go to Marist. Oh, God. Anyway, yeah, fun, fun times. The old church arena, the old youth group, and all those fun activities that we were forced to volunteer for. Oh man! Oh, and then then I got to help out with the uh, with the old uh, the antique. There was an antique sale every year, some weekend every year, and I. I would, oh, you got to get there right and early and help all these antique dealers who are perfectly well-adjusted, sane, normal people. You got to help them bring in all their antiques so they could set up inside the church and inside the parish hall and inside the, uh, what's the other room? The fireside room, that's what it was called. Nice little room with a fireplace. And, uh, yeah, I got to help them bring all their precious, precious artifacts in. Oh, and it was so much fun because antique dealers are also fantastic tippers and they always make sure that you're well compensated for all the backbreaking work of carrying all their shitty crap from their little hatchback car into, into the room and all the table and setting everything up perfectly and being yelled at. Because these are priceless gems. Don't drop it now. Oh, you, that was actually my plan. Darn it. I came here to drop all of your shit. And now, but now that you've told me not to, I guess I, I guess I won't do the thing that I was going to do. Thank you for telling me not to drop anything and be careful with stuff. Okay. I wasn't planning on being careful, but I'm glad you spelled that out. I thought this was just where I came. I, I thought you just showed up at churches every year to throw all your antiques into the driveway and smash them to pieces because that's what I came to do. But now that you're telling me to be careful and not drop anything, oh, I'm glad we clarified that. Oh, and thank you for this very generous tip of absolutely not even acknowledging anything that I did. That's so, so good. I love the fact that I spent my whole Saturday doing this. And then I get to help you put it back in the car? awesome this is gonna be such a great day and you guys are so normal and you're so easy to talk to you're such like you have such a high social iq you antique dealers that it's so much fun to 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 be around you that's that's really payment listen keep the money that you had no intention of tipping me in your pocket i don't need it payment just spending the day with you people is its own reward you have so many interesting stories. You have so many great personalities. And you're so attractive physically that I don't need any kind of uh, monetary compensation. I just it would be like, I should be paying you for this privilege. Uh, this is awesome. Oh, man. And, now I, and, then, and then I got to mow the lawn in the cemetery, which actually was a paying job. But what was great was I got to I started out doing that with Dave Stender. 
And he, uh, you know, such a go-getter that he commandeered the, the riding mower, the tractor, right, right away before I even got there and declared that he would be the one riding around on the mower and I would get to use the push mower and the weed whacker on all the, on all the headstones. And then I think what happened was then the tractor mower broke and couldn't be fixed. And so he quit because I know it got to a point where it was just little old me in that great big uh, 300-year-old cemetery with a push mower and a weed whacker going around all those stones with a little push mower and around not just the cemetery but the whole churchyard out in the front and the sides and the weed whacker Every little gravestone, weed whacking, and the trees. Oh, and then the, and then the little hornets' nests that I didn't know were there. Oh, it was such a fun. I have so many fun memories of church, and that's why Sundays are just so happy for me. Even all these years later, because I, it all just comes flooding back. What a fun time. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna. Oh, you're gonna just ride on the on the riding mower, Dave, and I'll just I'll use these thirty uh, year old fucking tools that barely work oh oh but when you're done with the tractor you're gonna grab a weed whacker and start whacking some weeds that's cool oh but the tractor's broken and so now you don't want to do this job anymore so you're just gonna stop showing up that's that's cool too don't worry buddy i'll just keep doing it all by myself (laughs) and that's fun and i somehow i'm not going to get your share of the pay when you leave i'm still just going to be paid exactly what i was paid before when i was doing 50 percent well more than 50% of the work, but still, when there were two of us, and I was being paid X, and now there's one of us, and I'm still being paid X, so that's... But again, being out in the hot sun with all these bees and hornets and tombstones and a weed whacker uh, that doesn't have enough weed whacking string on it that's going to get tangled up every time I pull the trigger... And it doesn't work because it's also 20 years old, just like everything else in this place. What is this, like a Civil War weed whacker? Is this like I have to have a mule, a mule on a, uh, on a hamster wheel to make this weed whacker go around? Oh, no, I'm the, I'm the idiot. I'm the, I'm the jackass on the hamster wheel. I'll run around on this hamster wheel to make the weed whacker spin. And then uh, they'll whack all the, all the weeds away from the graves. Great. And then, and then when my partner leaves, I will get or not, not get, oh, okay, not get his, his cut. Gotcha. I'll just keep getting the same amount of money. Oh, that's cool. I'll do this for a long, long time. I'm in this for the long haul. Hey, is there, a, is there an antique sale coming up? Ah, oh, awesome. I'll make sure to have the, the whole cemetery mode, and that way I'll be fresh and ready to go to help all these cool, fun uh, great personalities at the antique show carry all their tr- beautiful, awesome treasures in and out all day long. This is really cool. And then when people come to buy, I'll help bring it out to there because people who buy antiques are really nice and they're really fun to deal with too. And I'll help bring all that shit out to their car. This is so good. This is so much fun. I love it. I love, I just, is there a way that I could just live here? Could I just sleep on one of the benches in the church and just never leave? Cause I'd feels like that kind of sort of already. So if I could just, you know, just a pillow or something, I'm, I'm, this is all I will ever need. All right. That's the end of the podcast. It's almost two hours long. Have a great time. That's episode 82. That's all I have the energy for to tell you about church and resident evil and all whatever else I've talked about. 
Have a fantastic week. Enjoy. We'll talk to you next time, whatever next time is, right here on the Birthday Boy Podcast. Later, Gators. <laughs>